Let's go. Wahoo, Joe. <laughs> Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Yahoo! Ryan and I recently watched Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and the Super Mario Bros. movie. We're here today to review them. Full spoilers ahead for both. You've been warned. Well, we may as well begin with D&D, since that one came out first. So, from this extreme long shot, we zoom into our medium shot. Were you looking forward to D&D at all? Yeah. I, well, when first the uh, trailers came out, like the first one was like, eh, this kind of looks silly, whatever. And then more and more promotion came out, and I was like, hmm, this looks like more and more fun as I keep watching it. And then reviews were coming out, and they said it was a lot of fun. So then just got, that just got me hyped up even more. And then I went to, uh, we went to see it. It's actually the movie we saw together. Uh, Joe first made time us sit in the very front. <laughs> and <laughs> like, it was the very middle. It was not. There was three rows of seats after us. <laughs> yeah, but they were the crappy ones that nobody ever sits in. I, I put us right where the big aisle is. Right behind the wheelchair spots. It's the best spot. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's too low. <laughs> it's perfect for me. That's where I sit every time. It's your opinion, Joe. And it's like your opinion too, man. So my uh, D&D experience for the... I, I was pretty hyped going into this. Uh, I loved all the promotional material going into it. Um, I, my expectations weren't super high because I figured this could easily be a miss if they did it wrong. But the first trailer sold me that this was going to be an adventure in the right tone. So had my fingers crossed. And like Ryan said, we went to see it together. It's the first movie we actually seen together since starting this. So that was a cool experience. Mm -hmm. I hope to do more of those. And, uh, well, let's get another review now. See what we actually thought of it and do our close up. So first thoughts. I loved it. It's like kind of not my first experience with D&D, but it's one of it's definitely one of the first. I've watched a few campaigns and like a few short clips on YouTube. And then I watched this movie and I just had a, an absolute ball. I thought it was a lot of fun. It took everything that you could take from fantasy elements and just had fun with it. And I think that has a lot to do with it does have a lot to do with the world, but also it has a lot to do with who they cast as well. I think the cast really just honed in on who they who they were. Like, Chris Pine has the most fun I've ever seen him have. Hmm. Uh, da, 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 I'm pulling up the cast list, even though I'm unprepared. Uh, Sophia Lillis, who plays the druid. I, I wish she had more to do in the movie, but she kind of was almost as perfect. She was almost the perfect character. Not as perfect as the Paladin who was in it. Uh, Roger Jean Page. Justice Smith was. Yeah. Mm, Justice Smith was really fun as the warlock, not warlock. Sorcerer. No, sorcerer, sorcerer. And then Michelle Rodriguez is just a badass as she's always is. Don't forget about Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant as well. Yeah. Scene. He has fun playing a villain. Oh yeah, he's really scenery chewing. Uh, so I'll, I have a lot of positives to say, but I'll just get some of the negatives out of the way up top. I'll say that I, having gone into this movie with some hesitation, the first act 
didn't ease it a lot. I was a little worried right away when the first act of the movie is basically a like a 10 to 15 minute exposition dump about Chris Pine's backstory and uh, and how he came to be. Isn't in that prison. what D&D is? <laughs> Which, yes, as I thought about it later, I'm like, is this kind of subtly poking fun at those players who just come to a table and just, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they just tell everybody their backstory. It's very shoehorned in. It's unnatural. And I think that's maybe what the movie was going for. <laughs> He's one of those guys. Although in the context of the movie, it, it does make some sense that he's stalling for time till the bird judge shows up and he can knock him out the window and fly away. His name is Jonathan. Jonathan. How could I forget? <laughs> uh, but when, when's Jonathan coming again? He like brings every two minutes. I really think Jonathan would like to hear this story. Yeah. So my only thing about that is it did have a good payoff that they were stalling for time. But I did think that it could have easily been more doled out over the first act. Because I was paying attention to it. And even when they went to Neverwinter to find to find Lord Forge and the daughter, they kind of talked about the same stuff again. Oh, well, we went on this heist and you left your daughter in my care and things went wrong and you ended up in prison. So they kind of retrod over it again. And I don't know which would have been a better way to do it because that's kind of exposition at least the first way they showed us it was in flashbacks so it was more show than tell which is better from a technical standpoint most critics would agree but it was just that it was all grouped in one section and it was the first bit of the movie i'm like okay they're just trying to get some stuff out of the way it feels like before we can really get going Mm -hmm. so that did have me worried up top but then they got over it and then they escaped from prison, and that was fun, and it just kept getting better from there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on some points where it did feel a lot of... It was a lot of exposition exposition um, at the start with uh, a lot of characters, with Michelle Rodriguez and Chris Pine, especially Chris Pine. But they do it in such a way where you're not lost, where it is yeah. a lot... It's kind of a mixture of both show and tell. Uh, I think the narration is very clear, and then the visuals is very clear as well. And um, they get get away with it, where most movies don't, where they give a lot of (laughs) um, exposition at the start of a movie. So, yeah. And also they did that thing that I know is also a faux pas, where you start the movie with a voiceover thing that's never brought up again. I've always, I've heard that too, but like most movies do it. And then it's never criticism. But I feel like that's a thing we hear in film school all the time. Like, the worst thing you can do in a movie is open with a narration. It's like, well, well why do most not, movies do it then? <laughs> it's not... It, the criticism isn't open with a narration. It's open with a narration and then never hear the narrator again. Or never do the voiceover thing right. again. If it recurs throughout the movie, then it's, a me- then it's a valid mechanic that you're using. But if you're doing it right up top, it's just... Because movies that start with a narrator sound cool, I guess, and you didn't know how else to start it. So it yes. However, it often, I would argue against I would argue against that because there's that Tom Holland movie with Robert Pattinson, and they're in the South, and there's a narrator in that movie throughout the entire movie, and he's basically just explaining what's happening in the scene that you're watching, and we're like, we know we're watching the movie. 
at, like at, like we're watching it with you. Don't need to explain it to us. It just it feels like Fair he enough. was there to explain subtle. It was he was there to explain subtlety <laughs> and to explain like other True. things. True. Now that seems to me more like a director who watched their movie back and was like, "My movie doesn't make sense at all. I need somebody to come in and explain it." Oh, we can do that. There's some. <laughs> there's a mechanic I can use. Anyway, What's that one movie called. Let me look it up. Sure. Do, 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 do. It's not the impossible. Google. The devil all the time. That's what it okay. was. Okay. Well, however this movie started anyway, I still thought it effectively established the core cast. By the end of the exposition mm-hmm. dump and the prison break, I was already on board for Edgen and Holga's story and was excited to see where they'd go from here. They were immediately charming and likable, had a good dynamic together that I wanted to see more of. I was hyped to see the rest of the party come in and get going for a grand adventure. Like you said up top, the cast in this movie is fantastic, and I think they all have great chemistry together, which is a must in a D&D movie when the whole thing is a party mm-hmm. adventure. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I especially like... I, at first I didn't like him, but then what you and Justin told me is he's supposed to be kind of like that with uh, the paladin. Where I was uh, like, yeah. is this guy just supposed to be overpowered and just ultimately good? And you're like, yes. <laughs> he is. <laughs> That's he, what they're supposed to be. <laughs> he's the archetypal do-gooder paladin. Now, what I'll say about the movie here is that I love the way the writers towed the line between giving us these archetypal D&D characters, like the rogue, the bard, the sorcerer, the druid, the the paladin, uh, and the barbarian. There are certain personality traits associated with all these characters, which I didn't really cover archetypes and classes so much when I explained D&D to you the other week. But mm-hmm. everyone kind of has their own cliches associated with these classes. And this movie did a great job of giving us what we expect from these roles while also making them unique enough to these characters that they subverted our expectations. Like, for example, Chris Pine's character is a bard. Everyone associates the bard with the womanizer who, you know, <laughs> flirts with everything that walks and. Chris Pine's character's not like that. He was a loving husband who just wants to go after his daughter and save her, and he happens to play music as well. He used to be an honorable guy one time. Uh, So yeah, he's kind of got some elements of a bardic backstory. He's got the vibe of a bard, that overconfidence, sheer charisma. Uh, he's, He's got those traits that we associate with a bard, but without the cliches, which you'd also expect from a D&D bard. Same thing with Michelle Rodriguez's Barbarian. I thought that was good, too, because you associate the Barbarian with these rageaholic monsters who all they want to do is destroy. But she's this really sensitive person who got cast out from her tribe because she, she loved an outsider, and she was willing to give up her life for that. And the rage she has is kind of as a consequence for all these backstories, but there's more to her than the rage. Not just an outsider. Small Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Which was a great so cameo. So you get it. It's yeah. So, it's so random. You're just like, is that Bradley Cooper? It is Bradley Cooper. Why is he here? <laughs> but I kind yeah. I loved it. But yeah, what I loved about it's Bradley, dude- It's Bradley Cooper. It's Bradley Cooper outside of the Rocky Raccoon costume. <laughs> yes. 
Now, now it's a size. costume. It's not CGI. It's not CGI anymore. I thought he, he was he in between a, shoots. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know when they filmed Guardians Three, but uh, maybe it was around Oof. the same time. Who knows? Maybe. But yeah, he was a great cameo. Uh, but going back to the Dugooder Paladin, what I liked about him mm-hmm. was that. See, in D&D, as I explained to you the other week, everyone's got these stats, right? And not everybody is good at everything. This do-gooder paladin is very strong, clearly, probably has pretty high dexterity from the looks of him. He can take a beating, so his constitution's pretty high. These things you'd expect from a paladin. But what I liked is that they also gave him low charisma. He can't take a joke. He's got no idea for metaphors or colloquialisms. He He's very literal and condescending without really meaning to be. And that just, it helps humanize him a little bit. Because when the character, he's not perfect. He's got flaws. I felt yeah. the same way with Doric, who also, I've seen some criticism for her having less charisma as a character than the other characters. But I'm like, well, that's just a D&D party. Not every character is charismatic. Some of them are functional. She's clearly got more skills than a lot of them, but isn't necessarily a charismatic person, which I appreciate. Because not everybody has to do all things, and that helps the party feel diverse. I will say one thing about the one criticism I have of the movie is kind of the forced relationship between the sorcerer and Doric. Where like mm-hmm. near the like they're not in a relationship during the movie, but near the end she's like, Yeah, I'll give you another shot. And it's just kinda like that weird Hollywood cliche, like, oh, this person helped defeat the bad guy, so now I'll like you. It's like mm, Well I, not, no, I, I didn't feel... really feel a relationship I didn't feel a relationship building really at all. Cause What I'll say yeah. for that is I feel like it was set up enough in that they did go out before the movie started and she dumped him because right. of his extreme lack of self confidence. He was just kind of pathetic in a doormat, and she was just not feeling that at all. Like, she was clearly interested in him enough to go out with him in the first place, but broke up with him because of that big character flaw. Which, by the end of this movie, he's gained enough self-confidence that she's probably like, okay, I'll, I'll give you another shot, that's fair. And he clearly never really got over her. So whatever their, you know, whatever their chemistry is, maybe, like, not feeling the relationship is still a legit criticism, but in terms of how their characters were set up in the movie, I did believe it enough by the end that I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. This was a thing. She was she was definitely the member of the party who I felt had the least amount of screen time. Definitely. Where, unless it was during actions or, like, scouting reports or whatever. Like, I thought she was... Uh, and I, and I loved her character, and I wanted to see more of her, which I think is not really a criticism, but also a point towards the movie where it's, oh, you made me love this character so much, I wanted to see more of them. I thought and she I got the coolest. a great job. For my money, I think she got the coolest action scene in the thing when she was escaping from the guards in Castle Never and had to keep yeah. changing the It's like changing, a one-shot? I think, yeah, the one-shot where she's trying to escape from the guards, switching different animals and... Like going from a bird mm. to a mouse to a deer running in the in the courtyards. That was a really... I told Joe it was a joke. I told Joe it was a joke. Every animal I see in this movie, I'm adding to my wild shape. <laughs> to my wild to see shape it, list. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I saw it. There, there was like five... 
there was like five animals in one scene during like that scene I'm talking about. I was like, I can't remember. <laughs> I've already forgotten half of them. <laughs> well, I definitely remember the deer because that was one of the best jokes in the movie was Holga kept saying, well, why, why don't we turn into a deer and distract them? Yeah. With, with something. Which is See? also... <laughs> she can very, turn into a deer. <laughs> which is also so D&D in its execution of mm-hmm. trying to come up with just the dumbest plans and everyone being like, no, no, that's a stupid plan. Yeah, We're not doing that. And then it kind of ends up happening anyway. I also love that... Justin were laughing so much during that deer part. It was yes. really funny. <laughs> yes, because we've done... A lot of crap like that in our game. In the last one, actually, here's a story from our game. One of the last games, there was like a solid hour of the dumbest thing ever. Justin's character decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna steal from these people, and what do we do to distract them? Let's uh, let's be a horse because I happen to have a horse costume in my backpack, wouldn't you know? So he's like, I'm gonna be a horse, and we're gonna run around and uh, distract them. And everyone's like, that's that's so dumb. We're not doing that. And then he coerces an NPC into going in the bottom half of the costume and running around while we try to steal the thing. And then the whole thing was just so that's stupid. They're just, they're just running around in the fields playing as a horse. And that's, I think, why we were both laughing, because I was thinking of that during the deer scene. Just this stupid get, thing that ended... No. Did you get the loot, though? No? No, because, we, because the whole thing was a stupid plan. We shouldn't have even been doing that. We should have just walked up and asked them for the thing. It wasn't even a thing we needed to steal. The whole thing was just so stupid. And that's why we were laughing during that scene. Because, well, for me, I definitely had that in mind. I'm like, yeah, this is real. This stuff happens. But that's why I love this movie. Because all their plans fail spectacularly. Plan A fails so bad, they go to plan B, which fails so bad, they go to plan C, which is really just plan A because with a different name. <laughs> and then they go to plan D, which is really just plan B with a different mm-hmm. name. Like, that is pitch perfect to how the game actually goes. Um, so, yeah, the, I also liked the whole thing is about a heist. It helps streamline it in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're going after this very specific thing. Can they get that thing? Uh, this felt like the trappings of a of a and d one-shot. They built out the world enough in the characters that it's like, yeah, you could probably play one long session and do this adventure, uh, how it was done. So, yeah, it's not, like, big enough for a whole campaign, although it could be, I guess. But it just had that right amount of plot for well, a yeah. quick adventure. I bet that graveyard scene would be, like, at least three hours because they're going to each gravestone <laughs> yeah i think they're cutting time just to <laughs> and asking them all five questions a piece was it mm-hmm. yeah was that a question no mm-hmm. i wasn't talking to you does that count <laughs> and then they had to keep asking them the questions until they died and then chris pine just uh, like for, forget it they forgot so they forgot the one dude <laughs> yeah i don't think they Poor forgot guy. him they just didn't care yeah. Just, and then I knew he was going to be an end credits. I knew he was going to be an end credit scene joke. I was like, I fucking knew it as soon as he popped up. Yeah, that would make sense for sure. Uh, let's yeah. see what else. I also want to praise. I want to praise this movie about its visuals. I thought they were stunning. A lot of it is practical too. And yes, I know they've makes made a, a big, point in saying that. Makes a big difference. But he, for sure. Even the but even the digital effects were really good too. Like the dragon looked awesome. The uh, yeah. Like, the abyss they were in were really cool. The, 
the um the final not final battle but where they're in the stadium yeah uh, i think that looked pretty good the panthers look good apparently there is a cuz there used to be a D&D like 80s cartoon show yeah apparently when the party that we're in when they look over and they see the other party that's supposed to be that party the from party the show from yeah. the show cuz they have the fun, same colors and stuff that's a cute little is, thing. i didn't know that yeah I didn't know thing. that at the time either, but one thing this movie is great at is incorporating the lore of D&D in a way mm-hmm. that's accessible to new viewers. Like I was saying, I think one of the biggest strokes of genius these writers did was setting this on the Sword Coast, because that is the setting for the D&D starter set, which if you've ever played a game of D&D during 5th edition, that's where you would have started. So people who and people who don't know the game, if this movie gets them into the game, that's probably the setting, the first setting they're going to be playing. Yeah, there's the map Ryan's holding up there. <laughs> so basically, if you're, if you're brand new to D&D, or if you were a beginner of D&D in the last 10 years or so, you know this setting. You know places like Neverwinter. Uh, I can't remember where else they went right now. But like other... Uh, people they mentioned in organizations they mentioned in the movie as well like the harpers or the evermores or the cult of the red dragon wizards red wizards Fruits. yeah like a lot of those things have come up in the campaign i play with my friends like my characters from the evermores and right now we're fighting the cult of the dragon like so just having oh. references like we've been to neverwinter that lord never ember guy who showed up at the end we we've heard him mentioned i've heard his name before we never we haven't met him yet uh, although I think this movie is set sometime after our campaign, based on the state of Neverwinter being in better condition than we left it, it okay. was kind of in the all right. Yeah, <laughs> there's lore. There's lore. Are there. you Never saying Winter your campaign in... is canon? <laughs> it's it's oh, within the it's within like the timeline. Neverwinter is it, this is clearly afterwards, just based on the timeline. But there is like D and D does have a lore with a timeline and different gods and monsters and stuff like there is a canon timeline of events that has happened so like i know this is further along than mine that's all but uh yeah i think there's a lot of and also the magic spells they use too some of them i recognized or had a very rough idea of what they did so I, i appreciate the level of detail that goes into this they clearly and the monsters too i knew the monsters like yeah, like the, the some of the creatures they turned into or stuff they saw. I'm like, yep, I know that. I fought those. That's cool. Like <laughs> gelatinous cube. That's like that's a fun one. Or mimics. Just like some things are basic. Yeah. But um, half the things that were in this movie, I turned to Justin and I was like, "Is that a thing?" He goes, "Yep." <laughs> yeah, and we're not even that except for some D&D. of the items. <laughs> yeah, and we're not even that like, seasoned D and D players, but yeah, you know, we know enough. And people who know more than we do probably got more Easter eggs than we did. I just, like, there was a lot of real care put into this world. Also about the tone as well. Because a D&D story, every table, like I told you the other week, every table's got a different way they like to play. And I did tell you that one quote about uh, everyone expects D&D to be the next Lord of the Rings, but most games end up like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That is... right. D&D in a nutshell. And this movie very similarly it felt very similar to that. Not that it's emulating Monty Python 
but that the stuff in the movie ends up being ridiculous in a lot of ways, but the characters take it seriously. They're not trying to make anything in this world a joke, but like D&D does often get ridiculous, but it's also something people like to take seriously. So they had to ride that perfect line to appeal to the most amount of people possible. And I think they somehow managed to do that. That was a very tough balancing act. Rain out, you're dead. <laughs> Life of Brian. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, the speak this I'm movie also has a, The movie has Sorry. a good sense of humor too. A lot of the jokes landed. It's funny stuff. The deliveries are really good too. Well, they're smart jokes too, like when they were escaping the tower at the beginning, they were like, But we we gave you a pass. <laughs> we we set you free. <laughs> I thought that was a smart joke because like the it usually be like or denied and then they escape, but they just escaped. They're like we were gonna set you free. <laughs> yeah, and then they went that, and did their that thing was funny anyway. to me. One of my favorite, most of the lines that made me laugh out loud were delivered by Hugh Grant. One of my favorite ones is when he's leaving Chris Pine tied up and he's about to kill him, and he's walking out of the room and he's like, "Oh, I, I can't stand to see you die, yeah, so I'll just leave then." So I'll leave the room. <laughs> yeah. Get me down from here. This is too high. We did not discuss this. Oh, the, oh, the, the tea is scalding. I'm sorry. Just, oh, can we... Oh, that's really can you, hot tea. Can you cool tea. this down? Yeah. Uh, I oh, didn't, didn't expect you to put your finger stick in Stick your it. finger in it, yeah. <laughs> I feel like he improvised some of those lines. He's such a good villain because he's not... He's not, like, that intimidating or anything... But he's also, he's got enough power to be threatening to the heroes, but he's also, right. like, I kind of root for him, but I also, I just enjoy watching him. You love to hate him yeah. is, a, is a good way to, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's just fun to watch. Very fun. I can't, oh no, he doesn't. I was like, does he die in the end? But he doesn't. No. He, he gets, gets saved by, were. he gets saved by the paladin, like the, uh, like the other guy at the beginning. He, like, falls in the dirt, yeah. and the paladin's there with his hands stretched out. One thing I didn't understand about the, uh, like, the final battle, which I think is amazing. I thought the final yeah. battle between all them and the sorcerer was really done well. The effects were great. And I will have to say why the effects are great is because Weta Digital did them. So that's why they look great. I gotta give them a shout-out. Mm. But I think the final battle between them was just an awesome action scene all around. And it's yes. a better fight scene than most, not going to say which ones, superhero movies have come out recently. Can we just say I, them all? I had a lot of fun. Most of them have been underwhelming. Now, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, this one didn't feel underwhelming. It felt like the hype was there to fight this, uh, this red wizard, and it paid off well. Uh, but one thing I didn't understand was when she used the slowdown time effect again, where they yeah. were able to beat it. Is it uh, was because they put the bracelet on her, like before um, she did it or when she did it? Um, I can't remember. But I was well, like, how well, I remember. To beat it? Well, I remember at the end they were all acting. They were just acting frozen. They didn't actually get yeah. frozen. And I think that's because they. I think that's because the the daughter put the. Okay. I'm, I'm, let oh me yeah, because she was in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she went. Right, I remember because she wasn't initially in the circle. She went invisible, 
And then okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm just I'm reading the synopsis here. Okay, Sofina attacks the group, but Simon is able to muster his magic and nullify Sofina's time stop spell, allowing Kira to use an invisibility pendant that Jin and Holga gave her as a child to place an anti-magic bracelet on Sofina. So Simon's magic got good enough to stop the spell long enough to get the bracelet mm. on her. Okay. Yeah, I, I do remember that now because he finally said his, his magic was good enough. He was finally competent enough to stop mm-hmm. something like that. And I liked how uh, when she got the bracelet on her, you're, you're first you're seeing her decay, and you think, yes. oh, it's just her showing her true self, but that's just her, like, from after years of living, and then the bracelet's on her because the, her magic's gone and her age is catching up with her. But she doesn't yeah. even notice it. So I thought that's, like, that's a really good, subtle piece of writing and directing. Yeah, that is cool, actually. Uh, I think I like this story just in general because it's it's pretty simple at its core. It's just about a father who wants to be reunited with his daughter who thinks pretty low of him. She thinks mm-hmm. he's just a selfish jerk who abandoned her for selfish reasons. And, um, and he's trying to win her affections back, but he's like, she doesn't really think he's that genuine. I feel like that's a pretty relatable story to a lot of kids and parents who are are watching this Mm -hmm. because a lot of parents are like that and he does love his daughter is the thing and he is he does admit in the end that he was being selfish about it he's like well i've been saying this whole time i want to revive my wife so that my daughter can have a mother but also she never knew her so really this was Mm -hmm. just for me when I, and I like that, because I never really thought about it right to the end there when he was looking at Holga, and I'm like, oh, no, she never really did know her, did she? It's not, like, mm-hmm. yeah, revive Holga instead. She was the one the daughter actually cared the about. Real, yeah, the mother figure. Yeah. yeah. She was like, don't, you didn't tell me you didn't waste it on me. <laughs> yeah. Which is like a great little thing. I did like that bit there. Yeah, so Doing it's a, it's some, a good uh, story. Doing some D&D research and just seeing how many ways to revive someone is, like, is really funny. My favorite one is, because they use it in a campaign that I watch, I won't say which one, just for spoilers, but someone had died, and someone had a spell of, like, resurrection, I think that's what it's called, but they had to roll, like, a D100, (laughs) and in between those, and in between those, uh, whatever number it was, would be the... Uh, like the race that they would come back as. So they, okay. the person who who had died was like this Goliath barbarian, and then when they rolled it, he came back as a halfling. <laughs> but it was the same. It was the same like class. Oh no! <laughs> it's really See, funny. That's the thing about resurrections; they always have a consequence. I mean, they had to work mm-hmm. this entire movie just to get that tablet, right? Like resur- and that tablet only had a one-time use. He couldn't get his wife back and Holga back. You know, like there's there's choice and consequence when it comes to death in D and D. It is possible to bring people back, but it's never supposed to be easy. Yeah, I really thought they were going to do because I made the prediction, but for you and Justin, that the final scene it was going to be the final hit. Someone's going to line up for a swing, and then you see someone roll a D and D dice on screen, and that's going to cut to kids playing this campaign, and these are the characters. I'm so glad they didn't do that. I thought that's that. what they were going to do, but then so they glad. didn't do it. Thank God. That would have been so cheap. 
And like I know it was okay. In two thousand in two thousand nine it would have worked. <laughs> yeah. It would have worked back then. Yeah, or like I'm sorry to spoil this, but it's like nearly like ten years old. Lego movie did that too. Yeah. And I was like twenty fourteen, that was fine too. But um yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. I like how they kept it self contained. Uh, mm-hmm. just let the fantasy be the fantasy. Uh, what else? Uh, so speak, going back to the action, I wanted to note that I, I like how everything in this movie felt dangerous. None of the characters, even the really awesome paladin, like nobody felt too badass. Everyone felt mm-hmm. like they had an upper power of their, an upper echelon of their powers that they would get screwed if they went over it. And so like, they always felt like they were just fighting about within their reach or a little under mm-hmm. sometimes. Which really I helped did, feel the intensity of it. I did make the joke to Justin when uh, Olga was fighting like a lot of minions by herself. I was like, that's too many actions for one mm-hmm. person. <laughs> if this is true D&D, it's too many actions. <laughs> well, if you also want to be true to D&D, every action is technically a six-second turn. So, right. <laughs> so like, if you want to be fair, like, if you count everybody attacking all at once... That's technically just one round of combat that's happening, like, <laughs> lightning fast. Like, everyone gets a hit in, she gets a hit, they all get a hit, and then she gets more hits. I'm curious to see a breakdown of how it was choreographed, if it was oh, yeah, more true to life. Oh, yeah, because attack more... of opportunity, yeah. Now, well, what I will say that... attack you, or move, but you I can... know for a fact that final fight was choreographed that way, because that is definitely how it feels like. Everyone's just bashing on the, like, on the enemy at once, and the enemy's just throwing out whatever insane crap they can like that final fight against the red wizard definitely felt like a boss battle in D&D for sure the other ones that's a little less so but that last one 100% (laughs) which is awesome uh let's see why didn't they use polymorph polymorph I don't know that spell why didn't they change the red wizard into a rat well, it's like uh, it's like Simon said, the uh, magic doesn't solve all problems, which I <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> like, good, mm. good. Oh, I liked Simon's introduction when he was at the church and he was doing a fake magic show, fake magic show, just to steal everybody's <laughs> wallet. That was definitely a, that was funny. Re- I'm pretty sure that was a reference to Critical Role because in the latest campaign, one of the Uh-oh. guys has a character named Fresh Cut Grass. And he had this spell, yes, fresh yes, cut grass. I'm yeah. like, that is very, that's a very recent, like this critical role campaign is very recent in this movie. Uh, like, I think that's a hundred percent a reference. But uh, oh, I started watching. Uh, I started watching Vox Machina. I'm two episodes in. Oh yeah, what do you think so far? Really good. Really, it's a great it. show. I think. Yeah, the, the dynamics on it are really fun. It's just, it's just a cool story yeah. as well. Yeah, the uh, first I think season two, two is even better. It's like, it's like one they they've just oh, I don't want to spoil it, but they've dealt with the blue dragon. Fuck. They've dealt with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they've yeah. dealt with the blue dragon. I thought it was a fun uh, twist, and then just the fight against the dragon. If that's how it is in real D anD don't want to fight a dragon. <laughs> oh no, it's probably. <laughs> I don't fight a dragon. It's a, it's about that bad. I like how they didn't even oh, bother God. fighting. I like how they bought didn't even bother fighting the dragon in this movie. Now, well, isn't this one like an actual 
character too, like in maybe. D&D. I don't really know yeah. a lot of the. Like, I'm a little not that well read on the lore of D and D. Right. So maybe I heard is. he was an actual character. Yeah, I love that okay. he's fat. Yeah, that was that's kind a of a dragon. That was unexpected for sure. But I like that he kind of looked like the uh, the cat from Alice in Wonderland because he was like smiling while chasing oh, yeah. after him. I was like, oh god. <laughs> I like they didn't even dragon. bother. This is what I was talking about, though, about things feeling dangerous and out of their limits. They didn't try to fight the dragon. Nobody slayed the dragon. They just tried to survive and ran as it was crushing everything around them. The paladin got mm-hmm. maybe one shot to its eye, but even that wasn't enough. They're just like, get away is the mission here, which is great. Which is smart. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, I know you, have, you you guys, Justin, have you guys killed a dragon yet? I know you're going to the cult of the dragons, but have you killed a dragon yet? Yep. Yep, we killed the dragon. I told you that story the other week about how we had to... Oh, I had right. To, I had to ski off the mountain. <laughs> it was chasing me down the mountain. We killed that dragon in two turns. I don't know how we That's managed hilarious. it. But it was kind of the accidentally easiest boss fight ever because the paladin got to smite and then he critical rolled while he was on top right. of its head. Apparently uh, there is a, a way for dice. you to turn into a dragon, but it's a spell, and it's like a level 9 spell. So the chances of you getting up there <laughs> is... Yeah. <laughs> very true. It's very low. Oh, uh, let's see. So I, uh, I also like that in the backstories, everyone had some prejudices against certain races and groups. Mm-hmm. Because that really... That's very true to D&D as well, but it also helps this world for this movie feel more alive. Of like, oh, there's there's a whole history we haven't seen yet and probably won't know, but everyone's got their grievances against this or that person or group. So those are just nice little touches that help the world feel bigger. Mm-hmm. There's been grand wars fought before. People have lived for a really long time. There's different, like, there's druids over here. There's human cities over here, like Neverwinter. There's... Like, reanimated corpses sometimes, dragons living in dungeons. So. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, I know you and Justin complained about the sometimes choppy editing during the fight scenes. I think specifically it was the hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, just a couple. The big stuff looked great, but the hand-to-hand stuff in particular Mm -hmm. was pretty over the place. Yeah, there are two examples I can think of where it was handheld camera. It was when Chris Pine was running towards his house to, when he heard that, like, the Thrawn or the Thrudes attacked his house. It was yeah. really shaky, and I out loud went, oh, God, like, that's that's mm. when that happened. And then I think it was when it was near the finale where Olga was fighting a bunch of minions in, like, a place where a bunch of chains and stuff, and it was really shaky, and I couldn't tell what was going on, but that could also be, like, a time thing. But for yeah, the most part, right. the hand, uh, the hand-to-hand combat was decent. Most of it looked well, good. Yeah. I mean, the Paladin stuff felt really fast, too, but also they're in a setting where it's, like, a completely red background, and yeah. they're trying to make it a bit dynamic, so that was tough, too. I thought it was choreographed it well was and okay. film... It was choreographed well and filmed well, but the editing was where it started getting choppy. Yeah. I think it was I think it was post production mm-hmm. where that got a little eh, okay. But uh whatever they did looked okay. We also <laughs> we also saw John Wick before D D, so we have quite the comparison when it comes to 
action movies. <laughs> Look, the fact that John, the D&D was the next movie I saw after John Wick and I didn't think it was absolute garbage tells me that it was, it was passable enough. It wasn't like... That's fair. It, it was better enough than most action movies that I wasn't outright pissed off at it the week after seeing John Wick 4. So, you know, when the bar's set that high, everything else looks like garbage, but it passed at the very least. Um, so, you know, just, just uh, I'm basically done with my thoughts on this, but I just want to say in the conclusion for me that this is one of my favorite fantasy movies that I've seen in the last 20 years. I feel like the fantasy genre for so long now has been so afraid to look silly that they've all doubled down on this super edgy tone and like they they avoid all silliness at all costs. There's no sense of self-awareness or or humor or or levity at all. It's like whatever happened to fun silly standalone adventure films where some mostly lighthearted people go on go on a quest for something that's relatively low stakes like I just want to reanimate. I just want to, you know, bring my wife back from the dead, save my daughter. Like fantasy stories a couple yeah. decades ago were like, these are classic kinds of fantasy stories. And I get why Hollywood wanted to move away from that for a while. Oh, maybe it's a little too simplistic, but I think we need that now after so many movies trying and failing to do the opposite. This feels like a breath of fresh air. And I'm, I'm all here for this. Well, some of the best stories have a simple premise. Yeah. Like, if you think about John Wick, uh, the very first one, it's it's a guy getting revenge because someone killed his dog and stole his car. Yep. And, oh my god, I'm going to bring it up again. In God of War, <laughs> in 2018, uh, it's just a father and son trying to spread mother's ashes on the highest peak in all the realms. It's just a simple premise. And then they have to go through obstacles throughout the story. and. I think it, when people can identify with a simple premise, it it just does it just helps the story for you, where you don't have to think. And complexity, uh, complex stories aren't necessarily bad, but when you have a simple premise, it becomes a lot easier to tell a narrative, uh, a good narrative, simpler. I guess yeah. I wasn't really phrased well, but you know what I'm saying. No, I know what you mean. This is a simple story. Oh well God. <laughs> I just threw my pop filter off the desk. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, Sorry D &D, for I audio listeners. I think D&D is just a good story, well told. The characters are well defined, all had decent motivations. They all had solid character arcs as well. It's a fun time. The effects are good. The action's all right. I don't think it's, like, super memorable, but you'll definitely have a good time. Mm -hmm. it, like, it's just... Like, I was basically smiling the entire movie, and that's rare for me. It, like, I was constantly having fun during it, at the very least. That's true. You know what movie I watched recently, where I smiled the whole way through? Transition. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Transition. <laughs> Shut up, Joe. Don't say transition, then it's not a good transition. <laughs> <laughs> that's my rule. All right, let's... Well, I, I like calling attention to the to this to the to the behind <laughs> know, the scenes. Good, look at it's look a good at joke. The, yeah. Look at the guy behind the curtain. Because I'm a I'm a spoil sport like Ain't that. No attention to the man behind the curtain. So let's zoom back out to our medium shot and talk about the Super Mario Bros. movie. So, what was your mindset going into this one? 
I expected, I kind of had low expectations because, no offense to the company, but Illumination has just been milking the Despicable Me franchise for the past 10 years, and I'm kind of sick of minions. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of seeing them everywhere because I'm not 10 years old anymore. But uh, I was excited to see this movie because when I saw the trailers, the animation looks stunning. I mean, say what you will about Illumination, but they have some of the best 3D animation right now in terms of uh, the certain style they're going for. And it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, wasn't, I'm not, even now, I'm not that huge of a Super Mario Brothers fan. You know, I grew up, I grew up playing Mario Kart. I grew up playing Smash Bros. That's who, that's who I know them from. But I'm not like a diehard, like I've beaten every Mario game. No, I haven't, I have never even completed a Mario game. Like, personally. Uh, maybe I've, com I've definitely completed like level one of the first Super Mario Brothers. And uh, going into this with kind of, you know, low expectations because of the quote-unquote controversial casting of some of the actors in here. But then five minutes into the movie, I forgot that they were the cast. Yeah. That's, that's basically it. And then I watched this movie, did not stop smiling throughout the entire time. I had a blast. What about you, Joe? Well, my mindset going into this movie was uh, initially bad because I had something that happened a couple hours before that just really pissed me off. Like I was telling Ryan, I was, I was playing a video game, four hours of my day gone because of a glitch. And then I wasn't that excited for the Super Mario Bros. movie to begin with. And then I was like, damn it, I have to see this movie. <laughs> okay, fine. I hope it's all right. And it did cheer me up. <laughs> At least. But yeah, I never really played That's a lot good. of Mario either growing up. I never even played Super Smash Bros. or anything like my family was a Mario Kart family. We, oh. we still play often enough. We're, we've, I've been playing Mario Kart since Nintendo 64, since I was like little, little. Wow. And like, I can beat most people that aren't like avid Super Mario, like uh, that aren't avid Mario Kart people who just play that all the time. You're like challenging we, me. <laughs> look, if you come to like our next New Year's party or something, we'll play, and I'll probably beat you. Justin will probably beat if both of us, Smash. though, because Ju Justin is way better than both of us, I will say. Do you have Smash? Because I'd rather play that, but I'll play Mario Kart. No, you beat me at that. Let's, what else have I played? Mario Kart's the main one. What, you I don't want to play a game with me where you can't beat me? <laughs> I'd like to have a chance. I don't care to win. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I also played... Uh, I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the 3D platformers on the, on the Wii. Or maybe the Wii just got it. I don't remember. I think it was like Super Mario Galaxy or something. That may have been it. Mario, yeah. Yeah, uh, that might have been it, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I played, one, yeah. Yeah, so I played one of those on the Wii back in the late 2000s. Also on the Wii, I got a port of Super Mario Bros. 3. And I never beat it, but I got a decent way through. And that's one of those tough ones because you can't save it. It's like if you, if you stop playing, you lose all progress. Mm. So that, that's why I never right. beat it. Because I was never good enough to get all the way through. So I have, yes, I have played a traditional side-scrolling Super Mario Bros. game. At the very least. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's enough I'm background. Just not, I'm just not good at platformers in general. Like, I've never even beaten a Mega Man level. That's mm. how hard Mega Man is for me. And I respect it. It's not on the game, it's on me. <laughs> I love older games and how they're tough. 
Oh yeah, old games definitely had more of a uh, more of a learning curve to them. New games are more and accessible. I think, Mega, I think Mega Man Two, like those games, you can't save on those games either. No, I think that's one of that's that generation. Yeah, so you have no. to like beat all the bosses in one go. <laughs> Which I definitely respect, but uh, yeah, let's get into our close-up again and talk about Super Mario Bros. Uh, I thought this movie had a really solid opening scene. A great cold open with Bowser attacking the ice, the, the penguin kingdom. I don't know the official name for it, I don't remember now. I just, I know the penguin people from Mario Kart, when you're, every time you hit the penguins, no you yeah, go yeah. spinning out. That's where I know them from. <laughs> and they're awful. The voice actor for the penguin king so is, the, is Cyborg. From Teen Titans. Cyborg. I, I know I knew his voice. I from recognized somewhere. him. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Payton. Do you yield? <laughs> He's like this little penguin. Yeah, he was one of the standout voice actors to me because I, I love him. He's such a, he's such a mm-hmm. little penguin with this booming, commanding voice. I'm like, yeah, I buy this guy as the so king. So good. 100%. I don't, know, I don't know why this movie made me love Bowser. I don't know why. Maybe oh, it's because too. maybe it's just because I love I love Jack Black and there's a lot of just Jack Black in this in the character itself. But Jack Black, to be clear, I, is I the thought standout. the way he played him. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. the way he played him was just so funny. How he just turned Bowser into this kind of like loner incel who's just in love with <laughs> Princess Peach, and he has just <laughs> collected this army to marry this woman. Oh. That's so funny to me. Don't forget that he spends all his spare time singing songs about her. Yeah, I was dying laughing. Oh, the Peaches song is so funny. Uh, My theater, when I went to see this, it wasn't packed, but there was a good amount of people where it it was great vibes throughout the whole thing. Like, people were laughing. There was a couple in front of me, but they were they were having a good time too, and I was vibing with them. Never talked to them, but... Uh, yeah. Just the energy they had. And then at the end of the movie, there was a few claps because everybody had fun. There was a few kids there, but not that many kids. Because it's definitely, it's a movie for kids, but it's also a movie for people who grew up playing Mario. Because there's probably references left, right, and center. during, And I recognize most of them. Probably the funniest one to me was the original Mario voice actor being Jumpman in the pizzeria. Charles Martinet, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I a great his... little thing because that's who he was. That's who Mario was at first. He was technically named Jumpman in what oh, was yeah. it? the like the Donkey Kong game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really funny. I recognized his voice instantly. He also apparently played Mario's mm-hmm. dad. Oh, interesting. Oh, and that adds a little special thing when he says, "I'm proud of you, Mario." Oh, yeah. So I like that Charles Martinet got a got a little cameo in there. But going back to Bowser's song for a sec, one of the things I really liked was when he was playing piano, and then uh, his little uh, his little Koopa came up to it, the sorcerer one, and was talking mm-hmm. to him. And then, like just before he smashed his hands in the keyboard, he was playing his own theme song for the yeah. Like, when, when you finally fight Bowser Come in the game, jam with like, me. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so subtle. He was just talking over it, but I liked the little references like that. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I got so, it. The- the references in this are so good. And I don't know why critics are bashing this movie. If you look up Rotten Tomatoes right now, the audience score is at like a 95, and critics, it's at like a 49. Look, it's insane to me. Look, I, I get it. <laughs> I'll be honest, I get it. Because I didn't, I didn't love this movie either. 
This is one of those ones where I, it's. Like, oh, I it's, loved it. This is one of those ones where it's kind <laughs> of tearing. It. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't. It didn't really do a lot for me. Like it had a lot of good moments, but I didn't. Like if I'm looking at this as a critic, which you know we'll talk about this critically today, I probably lean more on the side of the critics. But also at the same time, I have to acknowledge that I was in a packed theater, mostly with families, and everybody was having way more fun than I was. But I also think, okay, well, maybe this movie just isn't for me. I'm not really the target audience. I'm not a huge fan of Mario. This is more targeted towards kids. A lot of the jokes didn't land for me personally. And I'll I'll get more into the character stuff. Like a lot of the character stuff didn't really land either. Like on a technical level, I wasn't really a fan. But it also hit the nostalgic part of my brain that makes me feel some joy. So it's not like I had a bad time with this movie. Like I said, I was going in annoyed and it cheered me up. Uh, Like, it's enjoyable. It's one of those things where I'm like, I I don't know if it's good, but it's enjoyable. And yeah, so that's like, so critically, I have a lot of problems, but it is a fun watch. I'm definitely on the side of the audience because I don't think it, reading some of the criticisms, it's like it's not trying to do anything or blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of the critics I've seen, and again, it's not for most of the most of the critics, but it's like they're asking for like a really complex story out of a Nintendo Mario game. Like they want it to be, they want it to be something more than it was. But the best uh, criticism I saw was, um, the Mario movie takes no, uh, takes no risk, and then it gets no reward. Like that's the best one I've seen. Where yeah, it's yeah. a very safe premise, and that's it's not- a very safe watch through, but it's still. Everybody in this movie commits a... The movie, everything in this movie, like every little bit, it commits 100% to the world, to the characters, and it's just a fun time. It's not annoying. If the characters in it were annoying, I would agree with the critics, but I didn't really find any of the characters annoying in the movie. Maybe Toad at some parts, but other than that, I had a a blast watching it. Yeah, I I don't know how I felt about uh, Keegan-Michael Key's take on Toad. Because, like, when I play Mario Kart and all that, Toad's my first choice. I'm a, I'm a Toad fanboy. I pretty much only ever mm-hmm. played Toad my entire life. And, uh, eh, I mean, part of me thinks it's funny that he was, like, the hype man best friend for Mario. Yeah. that Like, that was just his thing. And he's, like, a tougher Toad than the rest of them in the Mushroom Kingdom. He's one of the only ones who wants to go on this adventure. But also, sometimes he was a bit much. He never really had anything else more to him uh other characters well one of my big things about mario was that i I felt like he never really changed from start to end he started off as a guy who he was a nothing and he he kind of felt like nothing he he took a big risk he took his brother luigi out of their uh stable job and made them go solo and everyone kind of thought that was a bad idea but he was always, like, even when Luigi had that flashback to the baby Mario and Luigi, like, Mario was always the that kind of so guy who, who would stand up to, who would stand up to bullies and talk tough and fight his way out of problems. Uh, like, he always had the heart of a hero in him. But I always felt like he never really changed or grew from start to end. He just got validation when the stuff he was already doing finally became successful, which is which is kind of nice, but it just kind of left me like, okay, yeah, that's a, like, that's not really a good character arc, but I 
I, I didn't dislike it. And it also kind of bugged me that Peach's story was just barely touched on, and they never really did much with her after that either. Mm. Like, she had this interesting backstory of, okay, she just, she showed up in the Mushroom Kingdom as a baby, and she's the only human there. And I did like that it kind of made sense that she was a badass in this world, that she's A, the only different person in the Mushroom Kingdom, and B, the Toads kind of see her as their protector. When things are going wrong, when Bowser's showing up, she's the one who jumps into action to protect them. She's their negotiator and uh, diplomat with other kingdoms, like uh, like the Donkey Kong Country place. Like, So I, I got why she was their leader, but she also didn't really have a lot to do after like the halfway point. She was kind of just... After she kind of told Mario her backstory, she was just sort of along for the ride. Uh, the only one I thought had a decent... Same kind of thing with Donkey Kong as well. I liked his parallel with Mario. Uh, I liked his parallel with Mario that, you know, they're, they're, neither of their fathers believed in them and he had to earn his approval, but he also didn't really have a character arc. He kind of just got a, he got a good resolution. I think that's the thing I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is these characters got good resolutions, but they didn't really have arcs. So that kind of made it feel a little bit hollow when I was walking out. I would argue Mario was tagging along with Peach because she does do all the negotiations, especially in the Donkey Kong country. And yeah. Mario, it, like, it's not like that Mario is just there, but he is basically her right-hand man where, okay, I'll fight your son in order to do this. And even Peach is like, Peach has a good story point. was like, yeah, sure, I'll marry you to uh, save the Mushroom Kingdom. And then she's like, do you think I'd actually marry you? And then she uses the blue flower and she fights all the bad, uh, all the bad guys. Yeah, that's a twist. So that but it's not well. really. A, but it's not really. A and with character. Mario, and with, and with Mario, it's it's this guy who nobody's really given him a chance. It's a it's a personal thing right now because I've recently quit my job and I'm, yep. <laughs> and I'm a bit of a freelancer where he's quit his job to embark on this dream, uh, for him and his brother to be sort of independent and nobody in their families. That's not a parallel in my life. My family's very supportive. Uh. Nobody in their family or their friends has really given them a chance. And then he has this one chance to prove himself where Luigi is captured by Bowser. And yes, he's he's not great at the training course at first, but you see him slowly progress in order to be good at the training course. And you believe it too, because at the beginning, you see him going over the construction site pretty well. Like he has abilities to do so. So I love the 2D side-scrolling in what, the structure site. Great so. reference, yeah, great reference. I don't really know, like, what else th there needs to be. Like, for me, this was just a fun movie to watch, and I think it's just Mario showing uh, his confidence and his abilities and proving to everybody, look what I can do. Is it a little extreme? Like, yeah, I destroyed this dragon creature yeah. from another world, so everybody, you know... No, uh, I'll tell you who got a good arc is Luigi. Now, this is what I'm talking about. Like, the other ones, nobody really grew or changed, but Luigi started off as this, as this coward who basically just did what his older brother told him to do. And I love how the most cowardly character is the one who got sucked into the scariest dimension. So he had to stand torture from Bowser, imprisonment. You know, that little star who I love, by the way, the depressing star who tried to oh crush everybody's God. spirit. Uh, he had to so withstand... Funny. So he had to withstand that constant barragement 
of negativity from all sides, try to maintain his optimism throughout. Uh, and then he, he faced death, got back to the real world, and all these experiences that he, he weathered when he finally sees Mario in danger for the first time in his life, he stands up and grabs that, like, the sewer grate mm-hmm. and defends Mario. Finally, he stands up for his brother, who he loves for the first time, who's always stood up for him because he, he finally got enough confidence to do it because he's proven that he can withstand hardship that way. And then he becomes just as heroic as Mario. So, like, to me, that was a satisfying character arc. He actually had a progression. He went from cowardly to more brave. I mean, he's still the more cowardly brother, but he actually had an yeah. arc which satisfied me. And that's another criticism I have with this movie, by the way. Not enough Luigi. It's called Super Mario Bros. And Luigi's basically just at the start in the end. And like, I did like his chemistry with Mario. They were great on screen together. Mm-hmm. A lot of my favorite moments are them together. And then there's huge stretches of this movie. We don't, we don't even see Luigi in captivity. He's just gone. He's just missing, basically, from the end of the first act to the third yeah. act. Maybe like I'm gonna one predict. Scene. I'm gonna predict this movie will definitely get a sequel. It definitely yep. will. It's gonna yep. make so much freaking money. Yep. And I feel like people are getting tired of the Minions movie because a lot of Illumination's profits are going to that, which makes sense because it's what's making the most money. But this will make a crap ton of money. Will they have to do a sequel? And then I feel it's going to be Mario and Luigi together through most of it or at least that's what they should do because that final fight was epic with them getting the star power with them getting the stars and then beating the crap out of bowser i thought it was great again and yeah it's animation so you can choreograph it well pretty easily that's why people need to stop shitting on animation animation is great it's the animation in this was fantastic it's incredible it looked great it's so good it's like it's animated but it looked a lot of stuff looked almost real life in a way, but it was, it's stylized in yes. a way where yeah. it's still an animation, if that like, makes sense. The backgrounds and everything, like all the locations in like Brooklyn, for example, looked real. Yes. The characters were clearly animation, but like in the real the world, lighting things, helped, looked, yeah. things looked real, which is very impressive. Uh, but going back a sec, I want to talk about some of my favorite sequences. I love the, the ending scene where they had the star power and I was so hoping they'd use the music and they did, which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, so I like the I star all power the music scene. cues in this music, the, all the music yes. cues and all the little references were great. I loved the scene when Mario's fighting Donkey Kong. That was a really cool sequence too. Yes. On the D K. I love stop that. Sho- I stop love that showboating Kong. and fight him. But look at my pecs. <laughs> just, they love it. He's just dancing. I love that DK is just this cocky gladiator. And yeah. I will say, though, out of all the voice actors, I felt like Seth Rogen was the weakest. Not to say he did bad, but it's just that's all he can really do is just be Seth Rogen. He doesn't yeah. really add any inflections to his voice, and it works for this character. But I was surprised that I came out of it thinking, like, his was probably the weakest uh, of the performances. Not bad, but definitely just... It was, yeah. but it fit the character Agreed. really well. Agreed. For sure. I laughed so hard when he looked at Mario and goes, now you die. <laughs> I don't, it's just so out of left field. That's good. Uh, I also liked the, the, the racing scene, the, the go-kart scene. Mm. I liked the little ref, like when they, yeah. 
I liked how the guy who was coming for everybody in the lead was wearing the blue shell. Oh my god. So funny. So he's wearing, funny. He's wearing the blue helmet blue and like he's going shell. for <laughs> and he's going I didn't to notice everybody. he was a blue shell until they referenced it. I thought that was so funny. You can't escape me, blue shell. I think one of my favorite parts in that scene is when Mario jumps onto one of the Koopa's go-karts, and when he jumps on top of the Koopa's head, he turns into a green shell, which Mario yeah. whips back at the cart Great behind reference. him. Yeah, that was solid. I like there was no red shells, though. <laughs> yeah. It was all green shells whenever they threw them. Yeah. Oh, even the, like, yeah, the, I think, yeah, the action here was re- filmed really well, especially the, uh, the one shot where it's Donkey Kong and Mario running through the Mushroom Kingdom up towards uh, Bowser's, like, floating island. Yes, that, that was very really well that was well. very impressive as well. I also like I the keep train. keep saying shot like it's on camera. But it it's shot. Like, you, know, you know what I mean. It's a it's digital shot. camera. It's shot. <laughs> they have to frame it. They have to build the world true, and yeah. frame the ca- Like, it's a 3D model. It is model. technically called a digital camera. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's a 3D model they have to place the camera into, so. Mm-hmm. That's what an- why animation's so great, because you can literally do anything. There's yes. no restrictions. There's no... The only safety is, did you feed your editor today? <laughs> That's the only, like, safety issue you have. The answer is no. <laughs> Animators and editors do not make enough. Uh, I also like the original uh, training sequence. The the platforming part. And I do wish we got more of that e- stuff. When Peach is training. In the him. construction zone? Oh, Peach is training, yeah. Yeah, I wish we got more of that stuff. I wanted to see more platforming, because, like, they're calling it a Super mm. Mario Bros. movie, and those games were platformers. And I feel like, okay, yeah, we, yeah, I like the references to, okay, him fighting Donkey Kong or, like, Mario Kart and stuff, but I wish we got more platforming sections, because that's what, mm-hmm. like, that's what the game is, so. Yeah, I hear you. So that would have been cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Because the only platformers I can think about is, like, the construction site, the training scene, and then a little bit of the, the, the Smash reference between him and right. Donkey Kong. Because I just think it's funny that they had this whole training sequence. Oh, yeah, do this sequence so you can come with me. And then none of those mm-hmm. things ever really become relevant again. The only thing that was relevant you was can make yeah learned how to use the box. You can make the argument when they're going up, when they're going up towards uh, Bowser's, like, floating island. In okay, that no, they fight, did. But it's no, you're too, right. like, it's too, th- yeah, it's, like, too 3D to... It's very quick. Um, yeah. I also love that he, going back to a character thing, I love that he hates mushrooms. And he's just disgusted yeah. to eat every single one. Uh, it was also funny For when he the got this cr- tiny mushroom. Critics who say this movie doesn't add anything. Mario hates mushrooms. Who would have thought? Which makes sense. Because if you eat a bunch of them for 30 years plus, you're not going to like them. You didn't even like them at the start. He took them off his plate when his dad served him. I loved how like Luigi was like, I'll give it to him. And it's subtle as like, I'll take him. And then Mario's like putting him on Luigi's plate. <laughs> I thought that was so funny <laughs> to me. Cause he was like, yeah, here you eat him. And Luigi's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like, they've done this before. I love the, the Italian dinner scene too. It was like, what, what did I say? <laughs> I feel like that's, <laughs> it might be a bit of a stereotype, but I feel like that happens all the time in those family dinners. Well, Mario is kind of just a start, a stereotype and that's, I know that's part of the reason why Chris Pratt chose the voice he did. He didn't want to be a, mm-hmm. a stereotype. And everyone loves Charles Martinet's version. But I guess Nintendo didn't feel like they could get away with it casting somebody else. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's get into the controversy well, I a feel little like bit. How did, Chris Pratt, how did Chris Pratt do? Was the Like I said at the top, I thought 
I thought he, I completely forgot it was Chris Pratt five minutes in. I thought he did pretty great. The promotion, I will say, for this movie did not help him because Mario barely speaks in any of the promotion. And whenever he does, you can tell it's Chris Pratt. But throughout this, I thought the inflections he did were really good. I thought him and Charlie Day's uh, chemistry were really well done. And yeah, I thought the, and I was one of those people where it was like, oh, Chris Pratt. But not because I don't hate Chris Pratt. It's just because he's been put into everything nowadays. Yes. So it just feels like it, we're, over, we're overstuffed with the Chris Prattiness. But I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I didn't even really notice. I, I liked how they acknowledged in the first scene. They did that Super Mario Bros. commercial, <laughs> which was just the voice. And they're the like, Mario Brothers. And they're like, too much? No, it's perfect. Yeah. And then I just kind I of thought that was I thought that was a little too meta where they were like, it's like, we don't really speak like that. It's like, nah, it's perfect. I was like, oh, my God. I like that they just I like that they just <laughs> fell into it, though. I didn't even really notice that his voice was different besides that. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought he did a good job. Well, you know, that that theme song is from the TV show, like the Mario Brothers TV show. I did hear that was a reference afterwards. Yes. I didn't know that at the time, mm-hmm. though. Um, let's yeah. see. What else? One thing I thought was interesting about One the scene villain, that felt... Sorry, you go. One scene that I thought was, like, really weird and was very Illumination-y was yeah. the scene with the dog. Yeah. I felt like... I didn't like that. Left field where I was like, why are you trying to make dogs evil? Dogs are great. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> because yeah. he broke a toy? I didn't really like that one. I get that it was set up. Like I thought the whole origin story element was just weird to start. I didn't know if it was strictly necessary. Like, we all know who Mario is. Do we really need mm-hmm. this whole ordinary world before he gets sucked into the Mushroom Kingdom? Like, I didn't really need this to be an origin story. And I feel like that's where a lot of it started falling flat for me. Was I'm like, you wasted a lot of time setting things up. If you just hit the ground running, like he's already mm-hmm. in the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah doing the same old we it's know. funny because a lot of the story points i will agree with you a lot of them just feel safe and just kind of feel weird but the way it's animated and the way it's acted and the way it's um executed is just on this level of silliness and goofiness and just so funny to me that somehow it just works you know like yeah. that's the only way i can i can really defend it like the whole dog scene is really strange but the way it's just executed is really well done and it works for this type of movie especially a movie that's catered towards like six to ten year olds true and you know people who play the game and speaking of that i thought the bad guys were a little bit strange and, and i just noticed this having a little bit of history with animation in mind but like mm-hmm. were the bad guys especially like murderous to you for a kid's movie or was that just me? I feel like like even in, in old cartoons they weren't allowed Oh yeah, like in old cartoons they weren't really allowed to say like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you or you're gonna die or thing like things like that. I'm like, oh I guess kids' oh, animations yeah, yeah. come a little further. We can just say <laughs> what we mean now, huh? Or at the end when he just straight up tries to murder them gleefully by like, yep, now we're gonna sacrifice them. Just beating the crap out of them, yeah. Yeah, or like now we're gonna sacrifice them, dips them into the lava. The bad guys actually have intent to murder. You didn't like you didn't you didn't nerf them or try to make Bowser look like this silly cartoon villain. Like he's actually got murderous intent and we'll follow through. 
if you give him a chance. That's I'm why like, I love him. That's dark. That's intriguing. I like that. Mm-hmm. Bowser's the best villain of 2023 changed my mind. <laughs> uh, so far. Can't think of anyone better. Um, it's mostly now that Jack Black. I think. <laughs> when that comes out. I don't know who the villain is. Is going to be... Peaches, peaches, peaches. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's so good. And the promotion that they've done for this movie when they've gone on talk shows, like uh, Chris Pratt, Charlie Day, Keegan-Michael Key, and Jack Black, they went to, on the Kelly Clarkson show, and, ba- and <laughs> Jack Black was the only one who dressed up as Bowser, like, as the character. Nice. And it looks like a child's costume, and it barely fits him. It's so funny. And there's, the, there's those clips, too. I don't know if you've seen it, but... And they've asked him, like, how excited were you to uh, play Bowser? And he's in the tight costume, and it just goes, yeah, I was stoked. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it just cuts there. <laughs> he looks yeah. so uncomfortable, but he just loves it. I love Jack Black. He just seems to be, like, he's the a great personality to be around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was the best part about this Especially movie, when he's married. Down. Especially when he's married to Lizzo. I just we're gonna that up. Anyway. We're about, we'll talk, get there in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be, oh, no. That'll be a couple weeks from now. We got to get into that. Uh, so I did like... Hollywood's like, the, like, how do we put Lizzo into everything? Yeah. <laughs> I like that Bowser was just jealous. That was just his main character thing. He was just like, what, what, like, what is she? Is she interested in him now? Like, the, is the little guy she's with? Does, so she, does, she, does she like what he's doing? Did she look impressed? <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh my God. And I love how it's like ambiguous too, where she's kind of like flirting with him back at some points, but they're not a couple by the end of it. I like, I like that. But yeah, yeah, just him being so jealous. It's so funny. I don't know why, how people can hate this movie. And they're like, you know, she, you know, she hates you, right? And you're like, yes, it just makes me love her more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's so funny, dude. Yeah. It's it's got to be the way like Jack Black delivers it too. I mean, there was only one scene where I felt like the dialogue wasn't very good. It was when it was after not after the train scene, but it was it was when Mario and Peach were first introduced to each other. Yeah, it was kind of like ooh, this feels a little rushed. <laughs> yeah, but the rest just, of it I thought was fine. Yeah, that I agree with. I know exactly the part you mean. That one kind of felt like yeah. Like, okay, he just it felt weird, he got, right? he got past your guards and then just immediately demands she help him. And she's just like, okay. Mm-hmm. And she Without goes, okay. Yeah. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> this stranger just bursts into your castle, starts making demands out of a princess, uh, and you're just going to go with it? Okay. It was just a weird setup. There. I mean, yeah. You could say this movie is plays very into Far From Home, where it's very nostalgic and it's very fan servicey. Definitely. But that's why I think that some of the, most of the, that's what most of the jokes were. But I think that's what made most of these jokes really funny. Like when in the, uh, my favorite one is, or one of my favorite ones is when they're, uh, Donkey Kong is beating up Mario. And then the king Donkey Kong is like, all right, everyone quiet down. But Diddy Kong is going nuts still. <laughs> that means you, Diddy like, Kong. No, you quiet too. He's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, most so honestly, good. most most of the jokes in this movie didn't really land for me, except for the only things that really worked for me were anything to do with Bowser and the little blue star. Mm-hmm. Like everything else was kind of eh, some things made me grin a little bit. Nothing some, matters except for the sweet relief of death. 
And then when they're getting lowered into the vat, mercy. Mercy. <laughs> it's fine. all over now. Now there's nothing less but the endless void of life. I'm like, oh my god, this is in a kid's movie. It's all good. Why those, why the little star, why the little star jokes were so funny is because all the adults were laughing in my theater. That's when you, like, yeah. it's so good. Because kids don't, under, probably won't understand it. But oh. all the adults are like, uh-huh, it's true. I'm life a fan sucks. of that. I'm a fan of that dark humor. <laughs> so I like that, and I like Bowser, and the oh. rest was the rest was mostly miss for me in terms of humor, which is unfortunate. But like as, as we're talking about it, some bits were funny, but like all the parts that are making me laugh again were the parts I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought the I like that best... Donkey Kong and Mario have this like rivalry. Yeah, like when they're too. in the giant fish. I was like, why are we in a giant fish? Why are we doing Pinocchio right now? And then they have their little, like, argument. It's like, yeah. by the way, I hate you. I know you hate me, but I didn't do anything. <laughs> hey, they've been enemies since Mario's first ever appearance. You know, right from game oh, one. So I'm glad so they had good. that little rivalry there. For me, the best part about this movie, though, was the score and sound design. Mm-hmm. The songs they used and every little sound effect, that's what made it feel like Mario more than anything else. That's what, if you didn't have those sound effects in there, if you didn't use the music from the games done in, you know, the way this composer did it, it was more cinematic. It blended into a, into a movie more like than a game. But uh, without the sound, this movie falls completely apart for me. Which is Agreed. weird, because I'm not usually a sound guy, but it really stood out this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just brought a lot of the, the joy you have watching it, because the Mario theme is sprinkled out throughout the entire movie yeah. and it's used brilliantly in a lot of the cinematic stuff especially when they're running up towards the uh <clears throat> uh peach's castle in the end yeah. but even when jack black's playing his own theme like did it did it like that's so funny and even um like the little references too where again there's too many to count but luigi's ringtone is the gamecube soundtrack when you first boot up a gamecube oh really yeah it's that as well and um i don't know there's definitely a luigi's mansion reference when he's in like the dark plane and he's going into that little castle but i never play those games so i don't really know the shy guys really actually jump scared me when the lightning struck i was like ah (laughs) not because of like it scared me but there was just so many i was like jesus (laughs) those skeleton koopas were kind of scary those de- something about oh, those yeah. designs just yeah, gives me some shudders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know you could break Rainbow Road. Yeah. I didn't know it could be broken. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if you're going to do any of the tracks, that one would be the one to do. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's the one everyone hates, but everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> the other one I like is Bowser's Castle. Like, all the versions of it. There's so oh, many yeah. versions of Bowser's Castle. Bowser's Castle's great. So they were doing a drive. Another good that. one is uh is like the Wario um Oh, what is it? It's not the uh like the pinball machine one where you're miniature and it's like you're in a pinball machine. I don't know if I played that one. Hm. Or I don't know if it's Wario specifically, but I, for some reason it just reminds me of it because he seems like a bit of a gambler. Oh, right. I just realized what the sequel's gonna be. It's gonna be Wario and Luigi. Or Waluigi. Waluigi. Yeah. I just realized that. I was wondering if they'd show up. Wow. I was like, who's the going to be the villain? I was like, oh, 
duh, they're fucking uncles. <laughs> like the other ones, or they're yeah. uh, yeah. I was there was one thing I was mad about. We saw some of them, but we didn't see our Yoshi. I was like, damn it. Did you save for we the post credit scene? Fuck off. There was a post-credit <laughs> scene in this movie? Again? God did- damn it. We just did this with John uh, Wick a few weeks ago. I had to pee. <laughs> okay, so the post-credit scene for this one. I waited to the I waited for to the end end credit scene where it was the start <laughs> where it was the start saying now everyone's in the void and we're all gonna die. Nope, I didn't one know after there was an end credit scene. Yeah, there's God one after damn it. That. Say it. Alright, so it goes back to the sewer where they first found that tube to go into the mushroom mm-hmm. kingdom. And in the bottom of the sewer, in the rubble, is a Yoshi egg that starts <gasps> rumbling and cracking. And then the top of the egg cracks off and you hear, Yoshi? Nothing. That's it. Yay. I don't, I'm not, like, again, I'm not a huge like Super Mario Bros. fan, but just like seeing all these references, it just makes me feel like a kid again. So yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember these characters. Where's Yoshi? Why didn't he ride on his back? Did you stay for the end credits? You did see like a Yoshi herd, which is really funny. But no, uh, from memory, there's no, uh, there wasn't any green ones. No. From what I can remember, which I think was intentional. Which means Yoshi is an outcast. <laughs> the Yoshi we know and love. Well, the one at the end was a green egg. Yeah. Uh, well, they're all technically green eggs, I think. I could be wrong, though. I don't think so. I think they have other eggs. Oh, no, the end credit colors. scene... I'm, I got it wrong. The end credit scene was uh, Peaches, Peaches, Peaches reprise. <laughs> That's what no, the that end was credit just, scene was. That was just the end of the movie. Are you sure? Oh, no, you're right. There was, it, that was after the star, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was the star, and then there was the Peaches, Peaches reprise, and then it was... Credits, and then there was the Yoshi thing. Hold on, I'm watching the post-credit scene right now. Okay, it's very, uh, it's very faded. <laughs> Bootleg oh, I copy. Him. I see the cracking. Yeah, and ah, there it is. You do hear him. That's cute. Yuppie! Yeah. So I guess <sighs> I guess I would be. I'd be down for a sequel. Me too. 100%. I can see. I can see this beginning. I've heard a lot of people say they want an adaptation of Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Go to all the other worlds. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to see... I love how... Wario and Waluigi. I love how during the final fight against Bowser, the way they defeat him is they do the spin move for Mario Galaxy. Like, they grab his tail. Yeah. I'm just like, yes. Like, the animators know what they're doing. They're, like, fans of the show. There's moments where Donkey Kong, he taunts like he does in Smash Brothers. He, like, he does this move. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I've taunted like that at my brother so many times, and then he's beaten mm. me up in real life for it. Uh, <laughs> you know what they, okay. <laughs> Which happens. You know, I just thought of two things else they need to do in the sequel. There needs to be a time when Mario plays golf, and they need to go yes. into a world where they To the Olympics? The, <laughs> well, sure, they do the Olympics, but they also need to go into a Paper Mario world. Because that game is also awesome. Well, I, forgot, to... I forgot. I I forgot. I played Paper Mario as <laughs> no. a kid too. That was a great game. Yeah. Oh, they'll never do this. But what would be like a great end credit scene is where Mario like goes through another pipe or he gets sucked through, 
and he's at the Olympics, and then Sonic is there. He's like, so, you ready to race? They'll never do that, but <laughs> that'd be kind of funny. And then there's just a Mario and Sonic at the Olympics movie. <laughs> oh, brother. Don't really give Nintendo funny. ideas. They're going to use them. They're not. There's, there's no way Sega will do that. Because <laughs> I think what Sega's owned by Universal, so it's competing. Oh, wait. Universal owns Illumination. Never mind. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's there going you go. to happen. You just solved IP issues. Uh, so I think the main theme of this movie is tenacity. That seems to be what all the main characters are going towards. Just keep powering through and you'll succeed in some measure. Bowser's just, I'm going to marry Peach at all costs. Mario is, I'm going to get my brother back. Luigi is, you know, look after his your brother. Uh, Peach is protect the toads. Everyone's got this one thing they're all just trying to do above all else. So yeah, I I forgot to mention, but I love that Pete. You mentioned it earlier, but I love that Peach is a badass, but she's also not like whiny. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because a lot of what modern movies will do is they'll take these female characters and they'll make them powerful, but then they'll have them complain for some reason for a lot of it. But she's not really a complainer in that. She's just like, oh, Mario is somewhat capable, and yeah, he can help me because no toad is going to help me. I'm. He's <laughs> like, here's another human who is capable. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Peach was uh Peach was solid. Voiced by uh Anya Taylor Joy, apparently. I was Ooh, worried uh, about that, but then she did a great job. Yep. I've had a crush on her for a while. She continues to be amazing. <laughs> so She's a great I actress. I didn't realize she was the voice until I just looked it up. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, Super Mario, I think the uh, the tone was right. I also liked that it was an hour and a half, didn't overstay its welcome. Oh, for sure. Uh, so it was only as long as it needed to be. Simple, entertaining. My theater even clapped at the end. Uh, My theater did too. Yeah. Is that just the new custom for family movies? I don't go to them much. Is that, is that a thing? Or do people just like I don't it that know. much? I think people will clap at movies that they enjoyed. A lot of the IMAX movies I went to uh, are do go to like opening night movies people will clap after a movie like some people do it after Avatar. some people did it after avatar 2 some people did it after john wick mm. um a lot of people did it after top gun maverick but yeah i think that's just like a custom but i think a lot of people don't like it because they connect it to when you land on in a plane and you clap when the plane's landing I, apparently a lot of people don't like that but also hey i'm clapping because i survived all right <laughs> yeah but yeah, I, I, I'm a, I will say it here. I'm a clapper. If I like to really enjoy the movie, I'll do like a little clap. And if the whole theater's clapping, I will smack louder. Because I like, you know, I think it's, it's just, it, give, it gives off the energy of, hey, you made this movie and I'm showing you that I liked it. I will only clap if everybody else is doing it. I'm not brave enough to clap mm-hmm. at movies just for me. But I'm also not very... Clap a, first. <laughs> also not really a reactive person. There's only a couple times I would react to things and like off the top of my head, spoiler alert for No Way Home, yeah. but like when I saw Daredevil, then I wanted to be like, ah, <laughs> but it's very yeah. rare for me. That it's I really funny. Kind of it's really funny you say that because after we saw Dungeons and Dragons, me and Justin kept asking you like, you liked it, right? You're like, yeah. 
You just, you were just like holding all your opinions in. I don't know if you're holding it for here, but you were just like, yeah, it was good. Because we kept talking about it. <laughs> Look, sometimes I, I'm used to seeing movies alone. I think you I were processing, yeah. I see basically every movie alone, so I'm not used to sharing opinions like right away. Mm. But the two, but the other reason is also not in the case of D and D. In that case, I was just processing more. But I'll also keep my mouth shut if I didn't like a movie as much as somebody else, because mm. I don't. I've been on the other end of that when people I really loved a movie and other people I go with don't like it and they totally bring my vibe down. So I don't. I'm not always apt to share my negative thoughts if the person I was with really loved things. So I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll tell you like tomorrow when we've had more time to think about it, but I'll just, I'll let you enjoy it for tonight while you're still in a good mood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think this is the, I think Mario is the perfect movie to take your kids to, and then parents will enjoy it as well. And it's not, like, the jokes aren't stupid. It's not a dumb, fun movie. It's just, yeah. like, an actual fun movie. See, I think... Which is why I really like it. I think one reason for me that the film kind of falls apart is just because I don't know if I really would have liked it that much if I didn't have a whole lifetime of experiences of Mario. I feel like it really is just a nostalgia trip. It is a... It's a good one, mind you. But if I... Knew absolutely nothing about Mario at all. Had no idea who he was. Had no association with the the music or the sounds or the characters. I don't think I would have connected to this much at all. Or really come away thinking it was memorable in any way. Like as a standalone movie, I, think I don't think it's... But like having a, the I connection... that's a very already, rare person though. That's like a very rare person. Because Mario Everyone's got something. Yeah. It just cemented so much into just He's been around culture. For, been around for decades. It's been around for years. Most so people very, going to see this movie know yeah. at least something. They probably mm. at least recognize Mario and Luigi and Peach and Bowser. Maybe Toad. Also, how I know there's going to be more Nintendo movies uh, through Illumination is because they have their own intro now. Yep. Kind of like how Pixar does and how Illumination is. Yep. And when you saw it at the beginning, I was like, is this the start of the movie? It's like, oh, it's their own intro. Oh, there's more coming. <laughs> like that was yeah. my thought process as I watched it. Yeah, I thought that was cool as well. <gasps> oh, I hope they do a Star Fox movie. That'd be sick. I hope they do anyway. Legend of Zelda. Oh, that's true. That's their second. Like that's what more people would like. Yeah, <laughs> that's their second. That's the <laughs> second biggest thing, I'd say. I was never into Legend of Zelda because of how much I just kept skipping the dialogue. But you can't skip the dialogue because it tells you where to go, and then you get mm. no hints afterwards. But I'm like a kid. I don't like to read <laughs> yeah. around that time I play them. And then Star Fox was just simple. It was like, you see that thing? Shoot it. The only Legend sure of Zelda thing. game I ever played was Ocarina of Time on Nintendo 64. And once again, oh, this so is the me best as a, one. <laughs> I know. But this, once again, this is me as a little kid. Didn't appreciate it. Never beat it. And like, this is just a game. I still have it somewhere. That's perfect. My, my Preserve original it. it could be worth hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Might be. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. It is an original uh, definitely do, of time. If, if they do a Zelda movie, they'll definitely do a Breath of the Wild version. It's I don't the, think they'll do, like, original. No. Breath of the Wild's popular yeah. enough to get a sequel. Most Zelda games don't have sequels. They mm -hmm. just kind of are standalone. Yeah, I definitely want a Star Fox movie. And then they'll do, like, other movies as well, and then they'll do a Smash Bros. movie. Whoa. 
They shouldn't yeah. do that, but... <laughs> Where it's like the Avengers and everybody's being brought in. Like, Mario gets brought in. Donkey Kong gets brought in. No, no, that is what they're doing. That's 100% what they're going to do. They're building out their cinematic universe for a Smash Bros. Avengers kind of movie. I 100% think somebody at Nintendo Studios has thought about this. This is... Mm -hmm. Like, that idea has to have been tossed out. Yeah. I think uh, it's not there yet, but in Universal, they they're do they did like the Mario Land, right? They yeah. have the Mario Land. Um, but what's really exciting, there's the actual Mario Land in Japan or Nintendo Land, sorry, and there it's a theme park of all their IPs. And there's yeah. one part in the park where I don't think it's built yet because it was announced before COVID, <clears throat> where it's this castle and it's literally called the Smash Bros Coliseum, and then right next to it also is like the Mario Kart racetrack. And me and my brother have, like, messaged each other all the time, like, that's the only places we're going the whole time. It's the Coliseum and <laughs> the race car track. Sweet. So that'd be real cool to do in real life. All right, yeah. so... You, I think there is a way to do the Smash Bros. movie, because, uh, oh. correct me if I'm wrong, there's the... There was only one of them that had, like, a real storyline, I think it's the Wii one. And I've seen... I heard good things about it. Okay. I'm sure they could do it. I don't really know a lot about Smash Bros. Other than I don't know if there's a lore or a story, but right, it could be the Nintendo, right. the Nintendo Cinematic Universe, NCU. <laughs> that doesn't sound too bad. Now that I say it off no. the top of my head, <laughs> our cinematic universe is still going to be a thing, or are they finally dying off? Uh, I feel like. Personally, I think, I feel, I think they're dying. I feel like they're dying off a little bit, and then Trilogy's going to make a comeback, where people are mm-hmm. going to be done with these side movies and all that, and then Trilogy's going to be... Because the best thing come in threes. I think they're, what these franchises are doing lately is doing a cinematic universe, but like the most loosely connected possible. Like Sometimes characters yeah. from other movies will make an appearance, but it's not as cohesive as a world as the MCU was. Mm-hmm. It's just, okay, these are all standalone projects that happen to have some recurring actors show up, which I, right. I'm fine with. That's what I, like, just everyone do their own best creative vision and don't be hampered by an overall continuity because that's where Marvel fell apart completely by Phase 4. It just, like, yeah. they're all trying to keep in a continuity, but it doesn't make sense anymore, so just, it overstretched. Mm-hmm. I miss the days when things yeah. were just standalone franchises or movies. They were just good ideas that they made. Like, fine, Super Mario Bros., if you want to make a sequel out of this movie, fine, continue this story. If you want to spin that off into Smash Bros., that's also fine, as long as the events of Smash Bros. don't directly impact Super Mario 3 <laughs> or whatever. I don't care. Keep it. But the money, Joe, with the cinematic, you think of the money. Keep it in the pocket. Money. That's all, <laughs> you know. all right, so final thoughts uh, on Mario? Uh, I loved it. I would definitely go see this movie again. Um, yeah, it's simple. It's silly. It's what I expect from Illumination, and I loved it. Went into it with low expectations. I actually went in thinking I was going to hate it. If I'm being mm. honest. And then I came out loving it. Had a great vibe. I came out... I went in with 
mid expectations and kind of came out mid as well. Didn't really <laughs> impress me and didn't really dislike it either. It's kind of, yeah, that was that was a fun hour and a half, I guess. Fun would for you Mario say it's fans. A good, would you say it's a good video game adaptation? Oh, definitely. For sure. It's It's got all the elements that I would expect from a Mario movie. If you're a Mario fan, you'll Does enjoy it. it. I don't think it's like, once again, it just didn't overly impress me is all. I didn't, like, I enjoyed it. I had fun during it, but it's, it's not going to make my best of this year unless the rest of the year is absolute garbage. Oh, it's definitely my best of this year. Definitely. In terms of movies. <laughs> you liked it better than John Wick? Well, no. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else. They're both on the list. Year. They're both on the list. <laughs> oh, it's, it's probably on my list now, right now. Yeah. But you know, by the end of the year, it's it's gonna get knocked off. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's a fun probably. it's a fun time. I don't really have any serious Will complaints. As an adaptation, is it better than The Last of Us? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> We're not gonna get <laughs> too far, Ryan. <laughs> Joe like, shakes his head in shame. <laughs> is the bridge too far? But uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's not really a bad movie. It just didn't gel with me like it seems to be with some other people, mm-hmm. which is fine. I, yeah. Whatever. You know. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not saying this is, this is your opinion, but I don't know why a lot of the critics want this, like, not complicated, but this really deep story in this, let's face it, child's game where it's a platformer and they're expecting like something insane or something really complex. I think they had a simple premise. They went with it and I don't think they should be bashed for it. It definitely doesn't deserve a 49%. Does it deserve a 95? Who knows? For a child, yeah, but for an overall movie, I don't think well, so. Well, okay, I think if we're going by the theme of this week's podcast of you know, D&D and Mario, both simple movies with simple premises. I just thought something like D&D executed its simple premise better. There was more... For sure. There was more lore building. I connected more with the characters. There was more of an attempt at character stories and payoffs. I I just felt more connected to that world and that fantasy than this Mario fantasy, where I felt... Like, with the D&D, I was like, I'm connected to this story... I like the movie I'm watching and I appreciate the references and the lore that went into this. This, I feel like is mostly catered to just, yeah, I appreciate your effort in adaptation and Easter eggs and details, but I'm not really feeling it as a standalone movie. Like I still enjoy both, but just one, I enjoy more as a movie. The other, I enjoy more as an exercise in nostalgia. And I think something like the D&D movie will just have more staying power. Whereas the Mario movie is, okay, that was a Mario thing I experienced and on top of all the other ones in my life and I'll experience more Mario things. And this will be one of them, but not a bad one, but... Oh, I, not... think, it, I think it has huge staying power, especially with the children. We will see. <laughs> I think you're going to see the marketing for this movie is going to be insane. That's what I, I think. Or I guess we'll like see. the cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah. I do think there's potential for a sequel to be even better. If they're going to Oh, for sure. If they're going to do one, I bet yeah. I bet you were going to come back in a couple years and I'll I'll be praising this sequel a lot more than I praise this one. Mm-hmm. That I'll predict. 
Yeah. Because I do have, see the... Uh, to me, this is like... They have the chance to do bigger stakes. Yeah, because to me, this is like... I see the potential here, but I feel like they could do better. And I think they will. Well, yeah. And it's but I positive. don't think they tried to do... I don't think they wanted to do anything like... Uh, not in terms of like not saying better, but I don't think they wanted to do anything complex. I think they just wanted to tell a simple Mario story and then just, you know, have a fun nostalgic trip. Because, let's face it, the 90s one went way too far left field. Yeah. The live action one. And uh, we don't talk played about it the safe. 90s and one. I think they did a good job. Yeah. If that's all they were trying to do, they'd... They did it well. So yeah, that's D&D, that's the Mario movie, and uh, let's plug our socials and get out of here. Alrighty, well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thought Plane Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe, where we break down some of our favorite announcements from Star Wars Celebration. Till next time. Bro. Yeah,